1: The virus, coronavirus, has killed more than 100 people there and infected more than
0: 4,500. We have to prepare for the worst always, because if you don't, and the worst happens, war room pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. We're looking at TikTok.
3: We may be banning TikTok. We may be doing some other things or a couple of options, but a lot of things are happening. So we'll see what happens, but. We are looking at a lot of alternatives with respect to TikTok. I have urged that TikTok be closed down in America. There's a new proposal, Mnuchin and Meadows brought it up yesterday, to have Microsoft take it over. There are some questions that have to be answered. How will the data be stored and secured? Do the Chinese, will still the Chinese have links into TikTok? So before I would be for such a merger, I'd have to get some answers to these questions.
4: Welcome to episode 314 of War Room Pandemic Broadcasting Live from Capitol Hill on the john fredericks radio network on newsmax later in the day on america's voice news and blown through the ccp's firewall by g news and gtv i'm raheem kassam jack max he joins me here in studio stephen k bannon's joining us down the line and in this segment our guests will be dan david of wolfpack research and bill gertz and steve i just want to open with this thought very quickly con- continuing on from my thought at the end of the show the last episode is the president already had TikTok interfere in this election. It was used, it was leveraged. The influencers, as General Spaulding talked about, these influencers who are being um, curated, whoever they're being uh, curated by and and recruited by, influenced that Tulsa rally, humiliated the president's campaign, really, at that Tulsa rally, led to days and days of news coverage, uh, which which was really, I mean, for the hardcores, they knew what was going on, but really for the rest of the country and indeed the rest of the world, it was not a good look right now the president took he said he was going to take firm action against TikTok last week and now with 90 days left to the election we're gonna hand over 45 of those half of that time for what? For Bike Dance to build in back doors, as Chuck Schumer just laid out there, will they still have access to some of the data? And we're going to wait another 45 days to allow them to interfere more. Steve, it doesn't stack up to me. The president needs to take action, right?
3: Unrestricted warfare lays it out. Unrestricted warfare, the Chinese Communist Party's manual written by two brilliant PLA colonels back in the late 90s walks through information warfare. And my deeper concern, even over the influencers, which is part of their information warfare, is about the data and the data collection. And this is an intelligence apparatus of the Chinese Communist Party. I want to bring in Dan Dave, we've got Gertz. Bill Gertz has been covering this for 30 years. Dan, talk to the audience. How, how dangerous is this TikTok situation? And do you believe you're a Wall Street guy? Do you believe the president's right in kind of this half measure of, oh, well, you know, we'll give them 45 days and that's not to a closed deal. That's incoming something maybe like terms agreed. The acquisition of this would take six months to a year before you figured it all out where TikTok would still be up and running in the United States. Look, I'm an M&A guy from Goldman Sachs. You're not going to complete a transaction in 45 days. The way they talked about it, some sort of preliminary discussion about whether it can be done or not. So Dan David, you're all over these Chinese companies. These CCP run companies about all their malfeasance. What do you think of the situation here?
2: Uh, Obviously, Uh, TikTok and ByteDance already have too much information uh, about us. Uh, They've been gathering it on, what, 80 to 100 million people who use TikTok, and now we're saying the good news is they'll send it back to us. Sure, they don't have a copy of it. Uh, And as far as them installing a backdoor and us ensuring that they don't do that, They've already done it. You, you just have to notionally think about this. The president said for this to even be possible to happen, ByteDance would have to divest from TikTok. ByteDance said in one day, sure, no problem. When's the last time China said, sure, no problem uh, on a negotiation? Uh, it's when they're all set and ready to go. They're willing to give up that much
3: in one day? No. When, he, he, here's what I don't understand. With all, the, with all the regulatory apparatuses we have with the, with the SEC, with the FCC, all this regulatory – one of the reasons the American capital market is so robust is the underlying uh, order that's put in by the deplorables that, that you know, run our civic organizations uh, and, 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 and build our communities. But we also have a regulatory apparatus and what makes the liquidity in our market so deep. How did the regulatory apparatus across the board not catch the fact that you had a Chinese Communist Party, essentially intelligence apparatus, that was going to burrow deep into America, and particularly to American youth? Well, I, I think that we, going back to administrations,
2: uh, we had our eye off the ball and in the Middle East, in the Bush administration. And, you know, for, for lack of a better way of putting it, President Obama's way of negotiating with China was to say, please and thank you. That was his foreign policy effort. And that just does not work. China is somebody that you have to push to the edge before they're going to back off. And we're doing that to some degree. We could still do better. But we now know that they are in every apparatus we have. These apps, I've studied these apps, understand that these apps Can turn on your phone. They can turn on your recorder. They can turn on your camera. They can make calls. They can intercept your text. And these are just the average apps in China. So, what TikTok can do is really unthinkable. And it's already done a lot of damage for us. And, you know, God forbid we tell our teenagers that this is not good for you and start parenting again. They should not be using this app right now, much less allowing Microsoft. Who has an abundance of military contracts is very much so integrated to our government to integrate with TikTok and ByteDance.
3: Listen, you, you for a living, look at these, uh, look at these companies. Give people a summary uh, before we turn to Bill Gertz. Give a summary of what's the, the the way they can comport themselves here in America. These Chinese Communist Party, these CCP-controlled companies, both on accounting standards. Technology standards, etc. What's your overview of where we stand now with Chinese Communist Party infiltration into our capital markets? Well, unfortunately, what we have to understand is largely the most effective
2: foot soldiers for the Chinese Communist Party are Fortune 500 company CEOs who only worry about the next quarter and making their numbers, and the next year. They're not worried about five years down the road, and Largely especially our investment banks. They are not an American investment bank. They're worldwide They they're beholden to shareholders not the United States I don't care what they say so they don't want things to change They want to continue to do things the way they've been doing them make a profit record profits at our expense And if you want to look at what's happened just in the last three months ByteDance has spent a million dollars in the last three months lobbying Congress How is that possible? I mean, that's really a foreign-controlled entity. They should not be able to hire lobbyists in the first place. But here we are, a million dollars in the last three months, and that buys you a lot of sway in Washington.
3: If you were in the Oval Office uh, this morning, what would be your recommendations to the President of the United States of the actions he has to take regarding TikTok and ByteDance? It's not even considerable. Go away. We should not have that app here
2: in the United States as it is. Microsoft, being so involved in our military um, and our cloud computing and storing our vital information, it it should not even be a consideration that we have TikTok as a so-called American company. Oh, and by the way, the China operations will still be run by ByteDance. Now, how in the hell are you going to do that? We're just going to run the US, UK, Australian operation. They still run the China operation, because think about this. China wouldn't even consider letting us in China run ByteDance or run TikTok. But we we are fighting over whether we should do it here.
3: Dan, how do people get access to Wolfpack Research? How do they get access to your uh, Twitter account, all your uh, access to your thinking?
2: Well, our uh, Twitter account's at uh, Wolfpack Research. Uh, And that's where you can link on to our website. Uh, We put out reports about China fraudulent companies, Chinese fraudulent companies. We'll have one coming out in the next couple of weeks, Uh, maybe even this week. uh, You know, a a company taking advantage of uh, the COVID-19 big surprise. Uh, And this is happening on a weekly and a monthly basis. This is still stealing billions
3: from us. Dan David, thank you very much for joining us. I want to turn now to uh, Bill Gertz. Bill, uh, we've got a couple of minutes left in this segment. We'll have you back for the next one also. But d- before we get to the microchip story, talk to us about your view. You know this as well as anybody. Spaulding knows the technical side, but you know the Intel side. You've been covering for 30 years. What is the story with TikTok and what actions does the president have to take?
0: Uh, hi, Steve. Yeah, great to be on the show. Uh, from an intelligence standpoint, this is, uh, TikTok poses a direct counterintelligence threat. We know the Chinese are playing the long game. They can wait decades. The teenagers that are on TikTok today uh, are going to be running corporations and the government in 10 and 20 years from now. And we know that the Chinese are into collecting masses of data, personal data on Americans. They're really building a giant database on every single American out there. Therefore, there's no uh, option here but to get rid of this app. Uh, there's no way to try and separate out the American portion of Tic Tac from its Chinese portion. Uh, the technology is too integrated. The officials are too integrated. There's no way to protect protect that personal data that will be uh, obtained uh, by Beijing on these uh, young Americans.
4: Steve, you got three
3: minutes, Bill. Explain what Dan David said. He he gave a he gave this uh, headline that hey. The Chinese Communist Party has made a decision a decade ago to become the Saudi Arabia of data. What does that mean, and how far down the road are they to actually becoming that?
0: Uh, Very far along, and we know from the recent hacks that are just public. uh, The OPM, Office of Personnel Management, hacked 22 million records uh, of classified uh, security holders in the the U.S. government, uh, Anthem health records. 60 million, uh, they are gathering data and storing it in massive data centers in China. They've got probably 30 major data centers which are just gathering up all this information. Uh, as artificial intelligence comes online, they're going to be able to exploit that, that mass quantity of data and use it for intelligence purposes. Uh, that is to collect information on key officials uh, to potentially target for spy operations uh, for cyber operations, they'll use it to target those who have access uh, to uh, secure data banks and, and things like that. So I could say this is a direct counterintelligence threat to the national security of the United States.
3: Uh, Bill, Raheem, tell me how much time I got. But, Bill, before we jump to a break, if you were in the Oval today, what two or three actions would you tell the president he has to take right away to counter this threat?
4: 90 seconds, gentlemen.
0: Well, uh, clearly... Well, clearly, uh, he cannot uh, delay in, in sanctioning this company, this TikTok company. There's, there's no way to protect that data. There's no way to try and fence it off. Uh, so if, if uh, I would say with, with support from the Democrats, I think they could even go for legislation. I think you should do an immediate executive order, which would then uh, prevent anyone from using the app. Uh, there are political considerations. Some in the campaign are arguing that uh, this will be a, a useful platform. But again, I think it's limited. It's, last time I checked, I don't think teenagers can vote. Uh, and again, most of the users on, on TikTok are teenagers. So I think he needs to take action to cut off this, uh, this Chinese origin app.
4: Rahim, right. back yeah. to you. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, listen, just, with the 30 seconds we have left here, I want to make something very clear. I love our guests. We're not being tough enough here. You know, the Indians banned 59 apps overnight and we're dithering over one. We should be taking the fight to WeChat, we should be taking the fight to all of these other things and really disrupting the Chinese Communist Party's ways of getting hold of our data over here, like the Indians are doing not dithering 45 more days so what they can get it to microsoft and just get a back door into other systems no we'll be right back more war room pandemic in just a second war room pandemic with stephen k bannon
0: the epidemic is a demon and we can't let this demon hide war room pandemic
4: here's your host stephen k bannon Okay, we're in partners discussion territory here in the war room this morning monday august the third the year of our lord 2020 i'm rahim kassam jack maxi over to stephen k bannett
3: look it's monday they're up there negotiating on Capitol hill between a one trillion dollar and a three trillion dollar additional stimulus plan you've got the uh, the federal reserves had what a three to six trillion dollar bazooka to support our capital markets this is the most turbulent the economy has been in modern history.
4: Well, we may have lost the connection to Steve there. We'll try and restore that ASAP. If we Do we still have our guest on the line? Um, Harry Horry is the CEO of New Cloud Holdings. Do we have Harry? We're going to re- reconnect with all of our guests, <laughs> including our guest host, Stephen K. Bannon, in just a moment. But I imagine what Steve was going to tell you was about NetSuite. And NetSuite by Oracle is one of the sponsors of this show. Whether you're doing a million or a hundred million in sales, NetSuite lets you have the agility and the ability to control everything, your financials, your HR, everything right from your phone. So you can go to netsuite.com slash Bannon, get your guys, seven actions businesses need to take netsuite.com slash banner right you're back in the war room we're back with harry horry the uh ceo of new cloud holdings and stephen k banner will be joining us back in just a second but jack first and i want to get harry's take on this also I ended the last segment having a little bit of a tantrum here. And I'm having one internally more than you can see right now. Because frankly, what's going on right now is BS. And that's why I said we're in partners discussion territory over this stuff. The Indian government showed how over the course of a night... You can just wipe away the CCP's access in, a, in large part to so many various different mechanisms they have to data gather and to influence their citizens. This is no small thing. You're looking at 611 million downloads of TikTok in India. You're looking at Share It, the third most active app in India after WhatsApp and Facebook. And the UC Browser, another CCP-controlled organization, which has a 13% market share in India, second to Google's Chrome. They weren't taking down tangential things. Clash of Kings, another app that's supremely popular, not just in India, but in the Western world as well. WeChat, all of these other little apps that so many people have. We Meet, QQ Player, Wanda Camera, DU Cleaner, DU Browser, DU Recorder, Vigo Video, My2, U Video, DU Privacy, Mobile Legends, Gaming Apps, Video Ripping Apps, all of the things that guess what? Younger people use when they're clipping videos, when they're sharing things, when they're gaming on their cell phones, when they're engaged in social media. India went, nope, not having it. And what are we doing over here? We're saying, hey, you know, maybe we'll give it 45 days. And just like Stephen K. Bannon said, by the way, that's not 45 days for a takeover. And Microsoft's not going to have to prove anything with that. That's 45 days to come to terms of agreement. 45 days that ByteDance can build in more backdoors into their system so that they can get more access to your data and get access maybe to Microsoft systems. And who does Microsoft work with? Oh, just about every single part of the U.S. government at some point in the last 20 years. Just about every... Every laptop and every system that went into the White House has been run on Microsoft products over the last 20 years. So, Harry, I want you to talk us through this because I am, as you can probably hear, supremely frustrated with this dithering. Harry Horry, CEO of New Cloud Holdings on Microchips. Am I right or wrong to feel this way? Uh, I
1: think you're absolutely correct, actually.
4: Tell us, tell us from your perspective, what needs to be done here. What is the action that needs to be taken right now? So the easiest thing to do is is require a security review,
1: an immediate security review of all Chinese applications running uh, or available on various app stores, Google, uh, Apple, uh, Windows. Uh, you know, obviously the the problem with all of them is that. Uh, the behavior of the application is often different than is uh, intuitively obvious to uh, the people using it casually. So TikTok, for instance, was discovered to be uh, maintaining uh, access to a number of things on uh, the iPhone in particular uh, that was not allowed by terms of agreement. But the fact is that anybody that has access to an application can load uh, various backdoors into the system. So if if an application can run in an environment, it's a security risk.
5: Harry, this is Jack Maxey. I, I just want to touch on some of the things that Raheem said. First of all, in India, when they banned all those apps, the response from the average Indian deplorable was totally on the side of the government. In fact, it sort of injected a new sense of uh, patriotism, it seems to be, on the streets in India, because obviously they're in a conflict with China but one of our listeners pointed out and I think it's something you could comment on he said look if we sell this to Microsoft TikTok to Microsoft it's going to be the first of many hashtag stolen tech fire sales he said a TikTok sale to Microsoft is nothing more than a cash reward to the CCP membership pull the plug real Donald Trump but you have to explain why and I think he touches upon something really clear here Let's say we sell this thing for X billion dollars to the uh, Microsoft. Number one, Microsoft just got a massive cloud storage deal with uh, the Pentagon, and this was a cloud storage deal that they were in competition with Amazon for. Now, the likelihood is that Amazon lost it for some, shall we say, subjective reasons that uh, we have criticized Amazon for over the last year, but... I just can't understand why it is that the president can't take the same kind of position as President Modi in India and cut the rope. I think it would be very, very declarative and would be a great
1: uh, learning moment for the people of the United States. We obviously have to do it within a different context since we have a extensive set of rules of law. But uh, the fact is that you have to look at uh the entire landscape of security risks uh it's interesting that we've always chosen to be extremely liberal with regard to chinese participation in our market Uh, telephone companies have direct access to our switching systems Uh, there's a backbone network access through several uh, u.s resident data centers as an example owned by chinese companies Uh, these things are not allowed in china so a simple reciprocity would would quickly uh, end a lot of uh, the security risks that we currently see. Uh, for instance, uh, no telecom participation is allowed by U.S. companies in China without it being a, a majority-owned um, joint venture with the Chinese. And even then, the restrictions are, are quite extensive. So. It's important to look at it as a fair and balanced kind of approach. It's not purely pejorative. Uh, The Chinese themselves are exercising extremely restrictive public security efforts to make sure that U.S. technology is not in China. So it seems reasonable to approach it the same way. If you uh, are not in joint venture, if the code is not available to the U.S., uh, if you're, uh, operating through independent connections to the internet, they all should be, uh, controllable and, and able to be examined, uh, without restriction. It's what the Chinese require already. They've required it for decades. So, so the, the, the fact of the matter is that we're not doing something, uh, that is, uh, unique. Uh, we can accomplish this perfectly well with, Uh, Just reversing the current standard that the Chinese themselves use which is you can't operate here unless somebody has access to your code everything is uh, Is resident and and go forward. It's you know, very simple to implement the restrictions on uh, You know one of the problems with US corporation law in general is that the Chinese companies operating here Uh, With U.S. subsidiaries reviewed as as independent entities, uh, you know U.S. uh, citizens, if you will, and so this this does not exist in China. There is no concept of uh, equal access under the law um, in China to a to a wholly owned or partially owned uh, U.S. corporation operating there. Right. So, Harry, uh, it's Jack. the, The approach is simple.
5: Quick question. If the United States cannot act now in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of people opening their eyes to the threat of Chinese artificial intelligence, their gathering of all of our data, their construction of personality profiles on your child, my child, if we are not willing to act now, when will we?
1: Well, actually, I think it's critical to act now, (laughs) As in tomorrow, if possible. Uh, We've allowed this to go on entirely too long. Anybody that understands the security of software systems understands that uh, if you're inside the stack, uh, the system is vulnerable. And so, back 10, 15 years ago, government systems laid inside of something that was called high assurance internet protocol encryption. But we relaxed those under the Obama, those rules under the Obama administration. And and part of the reason we see the government hacking that we do now is because we allow government systems direct access to the Internet.
4: Yeah. So if we
1: don't draw a boundary around the United States, we're done.
4: (laughs) Harry, we were up against a break here. Just tell our audience where they can get more from you.
1: Uh, You can look at, you know, you you can always communicate with me on Twitter under Harry Howery. Uh, Or let's think deeply. Uh, is the ID that I go through, and I'm more than happy to talk via DM. That's great,
4: perfect. Thank you so much, Harry Horry. There, the CEO of New Cloud Holdings will be back with more War Room Pandemic. Jack Maxey, Raheem Kasam, Chris Koba In a second,
0: War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room.
4: Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Well, trillions upon trillions already dropped on the COVID-19 pandemic and the national debt, of course, soaring along with it. So who's paying for it all? If you don't think we're sitting on a house of cards, you're living with your head in the sand. Now stocks are soaring to some of their highest valuations. Don't wait for the bottom to fall out. It's time to protect your savings, including your IRA or 401k. And gold and silver are typical safe havens against uncertainty. The company we trust with these is a sponsor of this show, Birch Gold Group. And right now, thanks to a little known IRS tax law, you can move your IRA or eligible 401k into an IRA backed by physical gold and silver. So contact Birch Gold Group, get your free info kit on physical precious metals and see if diversifying into gold and silver makes sense for you. It's a comprehensive 20-page no-obligation kit and uh, you can get it by texting Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N to 474747 and for a limited time you can see how you can qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals on your purchase. Text Bannon to 474747 very grateful for all of our sponsors on this show for all of our production partners um, across all the different networks and platforms Uh, you can get this show by the way and we really recommend you do even if you're watching us live um, to subscribe via podcast on all the different podcast platforms that exist because guess what if you subscribe it's free and it pushes us up the rankings if we get pushed up the rankings more people see us if more people see us more people know the truth we're broadcasting live from Capitol Hill, Jack Maxey and Raheem Kassam here in the war room. Stephen K. Bannon has, has, has thrown the control over to us for the rest of the show. And we're very grateful now to have um, Senate candidate, Republican Senate candidate for Kansas, Chris Kobach, joining us on the line just 24 hours away from the big day, the primary in Kansas. Chris, thanks for taking the time this morning. Great to be with you, Raheem. So, Chris, let's start at the top. How's it going? Especially given that the uh, the establishment Republicans, Mitch McConnell's pack, has dropped, I think, what five million dollars into this race against you. What's going on? It's it's really
6: extraordinary. I've never seen this much outside money dropped in Kansas. Period, in a Senate race, let alone by Mitch McConnell and his allies against the conservative who's leading in the primary polls. Um, But the good news is uh, it appears that we have survived this withering assault. It's been a it's been an unrelenting air war. So just advertisement after advertisement, um, you you really can't spend more than five million dollars over a three week period in Kansas because of that's just that that covers everything. That's the most you can buy. Um, But it appears that Mitch may have overplayed his hand. Uh, The ads he's running are just so over the top, so ridiculous that I think most voters are discounting them. At least that's what the feeling we get and the, the feeling I had campaigning over the weekend talking to voters uh, and asking them about those ads. For example, McConnell's got one ad saying that I'm a, um, I'm, I'm anti I'm pro-abortion even though I've, I'm as, as, as strong a, a pro-life person as you can get and been endorsed by, of course, all these pro-life organizations and Dr. James Dobson and others. Um, They run another ad claiming that I'm a white nationalist. And and again, these are the kind of outrageous attacks, especially the white nationalist one uh, that we see from the left, usually calling a conservative a white nationalist with absolutely no basis. Um, But we've got Mitch McConnell's cronies doing it. And I think Republican voters, it appears, uh, are not buying it. So I think they've wasted a lot of their money. And of course, it was a waste to begin with. You know, instead of attacking a conservative, McConnell and his establishment allies should be saving it for the general i mean goodness we've got a a republican on the ropes in arizona and uh in colorado why not spend that money defending them instead of attacking a conservative in kansas so anyway to answer your question it looks like we're holding on to our lead it is a single digit lead in the polls so that's certainly within the margin of error Uh, but god willing we we hope to uh come across the line first tomorrow
4: chris let me just let me just drill down on that so I understand. As you can probably imagine, I'm not following the uh, the Kansas primary on a day-to-day basis, but I have seen this kind of behavior before. I've seen it all across the world, in fact, before, when the establishment wing of the parties we're supposed to be a part of actually fight against us to keep control because they they know somebody like you um, in the Senate would not necessarily toe the establishment line but would actually chart a course for something more in tune with what the public wants and more in tune with what would help this President, uh, he gets whispered in his ear all the time that yeah, you know, don't don't ban TikTok and don't uh, you know, uh, aggress China and don't really stop all uh, immigration. You, you know, we can we can just keep taking more and the corporate interests are, are very well represented here in Washington D.C. But I want to just drill down on a point. You, you, you kind of danced around there for a second, but it, it bears repeating. Five million dollars is getting dropped on your race by Republicans, by Mitch McConnell, by establishment Republican leadership, who basically think you're too conservative for them and want to stop you getting into the Senate in the long term, that money, the opportunity cost of that money being spent in other races is what should really concern people. All of these text messages, Chris, that people are getting up and down the country, you know, from the NRCC, hey, this is President Trump, I'm really disappointed in you, you didn't, you know, sign up to our Patriot program, and all of this. The money that the Republicans are raising from typical voters, typical Republican funders, grandmas and grandfathers writing five, ten, fifteen dollar checks, that money is going to fight against you and not keep Republican seats the in danger all around the country, that's what you're telling us?
6: People are sending to the Senate Leadership Fund and the NRSC, is, uh, yeah, it's, not, it's going to hit a conservative. I've always told voters, uh, before you write a check for some organization, you're not sure exactly what you're, they're going to do with that money, you're much better off writing that check to the candidate himself or herself, the candidate that you know is a trusted, true conservative. Uh, if you give it to an organization, you have
4: no idea what they're going to do with the money. So tell us what sets you apart from your opponent? What sets you apart from the establishment? Why should people not be giving their money to the central Republican Party apparatus that's run here out of, out of Washington, D.C., and rather across the board, whether it's you or anybody else, be looking at the candidates and giving directly to the candidates? I want to hear it. We've got, we've got six and a half minutes, because so take your time. I want to understand the key differences between you and your opponents.
6: So that's a that's a great question, Raheem, And I think it ties into your uh, overall point about how the the moneyed Republican establishment doesn't like a conservative. And in my case, uh, the the issues are very stark the, the, between me and the, the guy who is my main contender, Roger Marshall. He's a, a moderate congressman from western Kansas. Um, first and foremost is Im- immigration, of course, uh, your viewers know that I've been uh, fighting against illegal immigration and unwarranted legal immigration for the last 20 years of my career, and uh, the last year and a half has been with We Build the Wall, putting up last summer the first ever privately constructed border wall in United States history. Um, my opponent, on the other hand, uh, he made fun of the wall in 2017, he, um, he said it's not. he didn't think it was feasible, um, he didn't think it was the right way to achieve border security. Um, so you've got someone who's skeptical of the wall versus me, who's someone 100% pro-wall. But then, if you get if you drill down, you see where these uh, very large corporations that rely on illegal illegal labor would be concerned about me. So, uh, on the issue of illegal immigration and amnesty, I've always opposed amnesty. Uh, my opponent voted for amnesty in 2018. Uh, House Resolution 6136 was an amnesty for about 1.8 million ag workers. Um, in terms of looking forward, he says he sees a path to citizenship for illegal aliens as a possibility. Uh, I, I do not. And so, of course, those words that, that, that where I have posed a threat to their cheap labor supply for the past 20 years of my career, um, that kind of made them already leaning against me. And McConnell certainly, I think, unfortunately, wants to have an amnesty as something to offer. Uh, in in future negotiations over uh, an immigration bill. So they don't want a hardline conservative like me. And then most recently, uh, on May 26th, as you may be aware, Rahim, uh, 38 uh, House Republicans, moderate Republicans, some would say rhinos, um, wrote a letter to the president saying, please don't stop the supply of H2B workers. It, there are about 83,000 a year that come in. Please don't stop them from coming in. Of course, 40 million Americans were unemployed when they wrote that letter, which is ridiculous the, the the time that you most need to shut the door to incoming legal immigration is when so many of your own citizens need to get back to work. And I took the opposite position in my Breitbart column and said that we need to close the door and President Trump uh, agreed with my side of the argument and uh, a few weeks ago, of course, issued the memorandum uh, closing H2B. Uh, immigration as well as H1B and uh, J and L immigration categories until the end of the year, which was exactly the right thing to do. But of course that made the establishment mad, the establishment had in lobbying the president and again, they don't want someone like me who's going to be telling the president, no, this is exactly the right thing to do. You you must stop the incoming flow of legal immigration to help get our American citizens back to work. To work. Then you open the doors back up when the economy is up and running again and people are back to their old jobs. But you don't make out-of-work Americans compete unnecessarily with uh, imported labor. So that's a huge difference uh, on the immigration issue. Spending is a big issue, too, of course, uh, for those of us who are conservative. Um, We'd like to see government shrink. Uh, I I shrunk my agency when I was secretary of state by 34 percent over eight years.
4: Well, Chris, just uh, just, and
6: uh, the my opponents. Go ahead.
4: Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish that thought.
6: Oh, my opponent uh, voted against a bill that would have just cut federal spending by a tiny one percent. Uh, so you know that we're, we're, we differ on a number of issues it's it, but it's a it, it's a difference that threatens the establishment and and of course McConnell knows I'm not going to be a yes man.
4: well uh, we've got about two and a half minutes left here. I just want to get this uh, get this uh, for our audience here, Um, People are interested in what the last day before a primary like this, such a fractious election, looks like. Can you walk us a little through about what your steps are going to be over the next day or so um, and and, and where people can watch for the results, where they can follow you and specifically speaking directly to your constituents, your, your possible potential constituents here, how they're able to vote, how they're able to take part in this process. We've got about two minutes, Chris. Sure.
6: Yeah, sure, well, I'll give you a picture of the whole the last four days. so the the weekend we spent in Wichita, which is the fourth district, Kansas has four congressional districts. Uh, Wichita is a pivotal battleground in this race, so we spent the entire weekend there doing speeches, rallies, et cetera. Um, Today, we will be in the the second district, which is Topeka and the areas just around the Kansas City metro area. So we'll be doing, uh, of course, interviews like this one, um, but uh, meet and greets where voters can come and talk to me one more time before the election. We'll be doing a sign wave, which is where you stand on a busy intersection with 50 people of your campaign volunteers, waving signs and urging voters. Urging voters, you know, reminding them that the vote is tomorrow, um, and then we'll be doing yet more interviews. So we're we're going to the various districts uh, that we really need to be in uh, to win this race, and of course, uh, winning the the fourth, which is Wichita, and the second, which is Topeka, is pivotal to our strategy. People can go to uh to follow things. The uh, up, you know, the developments will be there. That's k-r-i-s-k-o-b-a-c-h.com. Uh, they can also chip in or if they're a kansas person and want to volunteer they can do that as well um and of course uh, on election night uh, they can go to the Se- kansas secretary of state's website if they you know obviously there'll be a ticker along yeah. the screen you know on fox news or wherever but if you want to see up to date very uh,
4: you know to the minute reports
6: uh go to uh, kssos.org uh,
4: Well, this is one of those very important, if not pivotal moments in history, and we're living through it. And it's happening in Kansas over the next 24 hours. Chris Kobach, very best of luck to you and your campaign. Thank you for taking the time out this morning to join War and Pandemic. All right.
6: Thank you for covering it. Great
4: talking with you, Raheem. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll return with Jack Maxey, Raheem Kassam wrapping this hour. Hashtag War Room Pandemic. Very grateful for your support. We'll be right back.
0: War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon and we can't let this demon hide. War
4: Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Well, 2020's been a gut punch to American business. And if you're going to succeed, you need every possible advantage. NetSuite by Oracle is the world's number one cloud business system and a sponsor of this show. Smart companies run on NetSuite because it gives you the visibility and control of your financials, your HR, your inventory, your e-commerce, and a whole lot more. So you can join over 20,000 companies who trust NetSuite to make it happen. They surveyed hundreds of business leaders, assembling a playbook of the top strategies businesses are using as America reopens for business. So get your free guide, 7 Actions Businesses Need to Take Now. NetSuite.com slash Bannon. That's NetSuite.com slash B-A-N-N-O-N. We thank you for sticking around with us in the war room here today. Jack Maxi and Raheem Kassam bringing you home this morning. Jack, I think it's been a stellar show. I mean, just phenomenal guests Really amazing lead host. You know What can you say?
5: (laughs) Exactly. Now we have the best-dressed man of Washington back in the uh, captain's chair. The XO has uh, had to go back to the engineering room. (laughs) But uh, listen, this has been a fantastic show, and one of the things that I want our audience to think about is we've had on some of the most brilliant people on planet Earth. Dr. Risch from Yale University makes me proud to be a graduate there. It's probably the first time I've been able to have any pride in 30 years. But listen, this guy is not a hair-on-fire person. This is not Jack Maxey or Raheem Kassam or Steve Bannon. This is a thoughtful, logical person. And I think that all of you are out there. You need to contact your governors. You need to contact your elected officials. And you need to demand that they stop treating HCQ as if it's some different drug compared to all of the other FDA-approved drugs. Everybody has the right, as a doctor, with their patient-client relationship to be able to prescribe any drug that has met the FDA approval system for off-label use. Mm. But the fear, Rahim, the fear that has been gendered around the world by this propaganda, and it's not just the United States. We heard Dr. Rich talk about 25,000 people have died in the last month during this being on, on a hold. But it's not just the U.S. We have the entire world waiting to see what our vaunted FDA is doing. Right. So it's not just Americans' lives that are at risk. It is lives around the world. And by God, if this turns out to be true, which I believe and I've staked my reputation on it, then there's going to be blood on people's hands, Raheem. Who is gonna take the responsibility for all the dead? How what can are you even gonna be.
4: I mean there already is. The blood's well,
5: already there. I mean so look at look at India, you know, our people out there. India has thirty eight thousand dead in a population of one point two billion. Mm. New York State with a population of a little bit over nineteen million has thirty two thousand dead. Now, which geography do we think actually uses HCQ for (laughs) prophylaxis, (laughs) for early treatment, all the way across the board? I can assure you it's not Governor Cuomo's New York.
4: Right. Right. That's exactly right. Jack, we've got about four minutes left uh, before the end of the show. And there's a couple of things that I wanted to get to. Number one, Chris Kobach really reminded me of this other race that's taking place this week, and it's the it's the uh, Bill Haggerty versus Manny Sethi in Tennessee. Very similar situation. You have got the hyper establishment Mitt Romney Jr. Bill Haggerty running for that seat, and you've got the you've got the anti-establishment pro-Trump Manny Sethi getting just just absolutely uh, hammered by the political establishment by Mitch McConnell's uh, people down there in, in Tennessee. So that's another one we're going to be watching as the results come in over the next day or so. Um, but it's, you know, the President of the United States has endorsed Haggerty, but, but Mark Levin and Ted Cruz and all these other people endorsing Manny Sethi, uh, my question is, like, why the president gets such bad advice in races like this? I mean, it's so obvious you go through Haggerty's background and his, his board that he was on, pumping out Black Lives Matter messages. He's got the, uh, as, as Tennessee's economic chief, which he was, they, <laughs> they went to the most, rel- they became the most reliant state in the union on China. Under Bill Haggerty. So for me, I just needed to get that off my chest. I'm seeing that happen all over the place at the moment. The other one is that's coming up on the national pulse this afternoon. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there's been these like stories that have been sneaking into the Financial Times and the New York Times, and all this, about this group called the Transition Integrity Project. This is a group that these media outlets have been calling a new bipartisan group that came together to war game out the scenario of what if President Trump refused to relinquish power after the election, right? Now, last night, um, old, uh, old BuzzFeed Ben, who's now at the New York Times, he pops a little nugget in his article that made a lot of people on the right pay attention. It was that John Podesta was involved in this and he was playing the Biden camp effectively, and he refused to accept defeat. And in that war game scenario, it led effectively to the military having to be called in to decide who they were going to recognize as the legitimate president of the United States. And so it got me thinking. Who is the Transition Integrity Project? Who is behind it? Who are they affiliated with? And how come every single article that gets written about them has the word bipartisan or nonpartisan several times right at the top of the story? It's a red flag. That's a giveaway to me. So we at the National Pulse this morning, Natalie Winters and myself, we went through who the Transition Integrity Project is. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to pop this story up on thenationalpulse.com later on in the day. But I'm sure you can imagine that this non-partisan organization, this bipartisan organization is actually run by, drumroll please, the Open Society Foundations. Oh boy. Drumroll please, the Gates Foundations. And drumroll please, the Berggruen Institute, which is highly linked to the Chinese Communist Party. That story that nobody else will tell you about. Oh, and by the way, their bipartisanship is Michael Steele, <laughs> the former RNC chairman, turned never Trumper, turned never Republican again. Michael Steele is who gives the Transition Integrity Project their bipartisanship. So, right. so this is the in that in that war game that was where John Podesta and Biden side with the House. I think in that mm. e- in the ending of that, and the president gets the backing of the Senate. Mm -hmm. And then basically the end of it is just, well, let's see who the military decides they're going to take the sides with. and that's. that's, Let me quickly
5: simplify this for the deplorables. Every time the left doesn't get what they want, they predict that things are going to burn or they actually burn them. And that's what we're seeing here with this little project. They're
4: predicting chaos. And I guarantee you. And they'll guarantee it too. I guarantee you that if there is a situation – that the election outcome isn't clear, that this transition integrity project will be called to Capitol Hill to testify. That's what they're setting up. We'll see you again tomorrow on War and Pandemic.